It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app on all your iOS devices today and join me next week as we wrap up another Reds road trip. That's Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For today's Locked On Reds and today's Locked On Cardinals, we've got a crossover because it's Locked On Reds and Locked On Cardinals talking about Redbirds and Red Legs this weekend in St. Louis. This is the first stop this year at uh, New Bush, B- Bush 3, Bush whatever, Bush 3, uh, Bush the 3rd, uh, at the um, at, at there for the Red Legs this season. And the home series, obviously, two to one Reds. I don't expect the. I, I, this is going to be a series all year long. It's just going to go back and forth. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching this weekend because we've got two teams. Before we jump into the uh, series, Lucas, let's let's talk about what the last two weeks have been for both of our ball clubs because I I think the word that we can definitely start with is frustrating. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I had uh, Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for my show last week, and the first question I asked him was, what's your general like general outtake before we get into specifics? And he goes, well, a season is happening. We have baseball that is being played, you know? There's really no, you know, especially for the Cardinals, because they're coming into this stretch that they're starting today, 17 games in 17 days, so a lot, yeah. right? And they're yeah. coming into it at 8 and 10. And after the Nolan, Ar- Nolan Arnauto acquisition, after opening day, not would have expected this to happen, right? And it has. And, it, it, you know, there's a lot of specifics we might or might not get into today, but it, it's happening. And it, it definitely is frustrating because for me, I think that both of these teams are better than what they're showing. I think that the Reds probably came off a little too hot and then they yeah. went way too far down and the Cardinals have really kind of stayed pat. So I think both these teams could be better than they are right now. And it's it's disappointing, at least for my end. I'm not really paying attention too far to the Reds, but you can only imagine how disappointing it is on that side as well. I mean, I think the microcosm for what the Reds have been the last two weeks was Nacho Man yesterday, uh, trying to catch that home run and falling over and not getting the home run and losing his nachos all at the same time. Yep, that was tough. Uh, after starting six and one, they're three and eight. And actually, they are the exact opposite of the Pirates. The Pirates just happen to have played one more game than the Reds. They're only a half game behind the Reds right now, who started one and six. So it's, it's partially. Well, it's just April, and it's also partially frustrating because that 6-1 and one start really did change expectations a little bit for me at least because the last couple of years, the Reds have started off terrible. In fact, really the last three years, they've started off abysmal, and they started off so hot this year, so you're thinking, okay, they're going to get some momentum rolling early in the season. Maybe there's a little bit of a lull in the middle or something like that, but then the lull came just like that. And it's mostly due with the pitching because, and it's mostly due with the bullpen, to be honest with you, the the starting pitching outside of Castillo has been fantastic. In fact, in game two of the one and a half header, it really wasn't a double header. It was just, it was a continuation of the Tuesday night. uh, No, I don't want to call it a rain delay. It was like a snow sleet, cold delay, umpires not wanting to delay. It, It was a mess. 
And so then the second game, the regularly scheduled game on Wednesday, Tyler Malley was phenomenal. And then TJ Antone comes in and he was phenomenal. And then Amir Garrett wasn't. So it it's a lot of frustration with the bullpen right now. They're walking a ton of guys. And that is the most annoying thing ever because that is the one thing that they have total control of is throwing strikes. So it's been frustrating to watch. Do I think they're going to be this bad all year? No. Do I think the six and one start was a bit of a mirage? Yes. So we're still trying to figure out, will the real Reds team step up to the plate? Right. I saw one of the, you know, you mentioned that it's just April. I'm like, yes, like these games count just as much as September games do. Like I understand that, like, like logically yeah. speaking, but at the same time, we have a lot of time in between now and then to fix the problems on any team you're on, you know, let alone our two teams. Right. I saw this meme. Have you watched, have you ever watched the office? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know the the scene when Jim's explaining like the the kid that Michael's having with Jan, how they're not related. <laughs> well, the, the top yeah. part of it was they're 17 games in or whatever. Then the bottom part was if you're worried about a, a team 17 games into the season, that says more about your character than it does about your baseball knowledge. <laughs> yes. And you know it, it's just kind of funny because I talked about this a lot. I feel like every time I've talked about a crossover, I've talked about this point is. Baseball is just so different from any other sport because like for the athletics right now, an 11-0 run in basketball and an 82-game season means a heck of a lot more than it does in baseball, right? And yeah. vice versa, so does an 8-10 and 10 start, right? Um, so it, it's just a patience game. And it, it sucks to try and be patient because you want this team to be better because, you know, you also look at it if you lose the division by a game in September, then you look back at an April 23rd game, right? So it just it, it's a hit or miss thing and it's a balance of being concerned with the problems you have versus recognizing the longevity of the season. Because right now the Cardinals just, they're either hitting a ton or they're hitting zero, right? And that needs to be fixed. And it's opposite from the Reds where the bullpen and the starting pitching, especially as of the last four or five games, has been phenomenal. You know, so it's it's just a matter of finding that balance of concern and worry versus recognizing the longevity that we have. Well, let's let's jump into this weekend series here. We've got a lot of great pitching matchups, really. I know last season KK Kim really had the Reds' number, uh, now he, he, I mean, ERA doesn't tell you anything this early on in the season. His ERA is nine. That doesn't, that doesn't let me lead me to believe that he's a bad pitcher. Now I, I still think he's got plenty of talent. So looking at him tonight, going up against Sonny Gray, uh, what are your expectations for KK Kim? Yeah, that, that the, the nine ERA you're talking about comes after one start. He started yeah. the season in the, on the injured list to, forget what the injury was um but started season on injured list made one start against the phillies and didn't pitch extremely well um but you know like, like you mentioned he pitched really well against the reds in the two starts last year so you know i'm not looking for seven eight innings of utter dominance by any stretch of the imagination but you know i think that that kim realistically speaking despite the exceptional year he had last year he's probably a four five pitcher you know that's what he is he's going to be a maybe a three on his best day but he's going to be a four or five of the rotation so I'm not expecting him to, to dazzle and go back to his 120 self. I'm expecting him to go five innings, maybe six innings if he's really good, keep the Reds under three runs, and that's not going to be easy. I've always talked about how much I love this lineup, but realistically speaking, he's not going to strike out a ton of guys. But yeah, five, six innings, less than three runs, that'd be a huge win for St. Louis because even with the off day yesterday, they need some longevity. They need the starters to go five, six innings instead of four to five innings, you know? Um but I think it'll be interesting. I just uh, we just don't know because Kim had a shortened, weird year last year, and this year injured list, so we're not really sure what we're going to get exactly out of him yet. So this will be a, um, an interesting step in the right direction for him if he's able to shut down the Fred's lineup. And he did it traditionally last year in short sample size, pitched better at Bush than he did otherwise. So looking forward to that as well. What about Sonny Gray? 
Conversely, I, I'm loving the fact that Sonny Gray's back and he only has one start as well. It's ironic the comparison between the two starters tonight and that they've only pitched once because of injuries. Gray's was back spasms, and it's something that I'm going to keep my eye on all year long because the way that he talked about it in his press conference whenever they mentioned him going on the injured list back in spring training, it, it really seemed like he was stopping short of saying that it's something that he's been dealing with for over a year now. So that that's given me some concern because that is not, I mean, you think of back injuries in life, they're not something that go away. And I wonder what that's going to mean for his pitching. He looked fine in his first outing. I mean, he filled up a box score. It wasn't a situation of 0-0-0. So he, he was not perfect. But at the same token, he looked all right. He's going to have to be the Sonny Gray that we all know that he can be if the Reds are going to be any kind of good this year, especially if Luis Castillo is going to continue his struggles. So I, I look for tonight for him to be pitch efficient. I, I'm kind of with you. I think that he needs to go at least six innings. Uh, this bullpen has been taxed over the Arizona series, which for whatever reason, Arizona just looked like world beaters. I mean, you figure you score 11 runs in a game, you're going to win. But Right, especially against Arizona. Yeah, I don't want to get uh, too frustrated right now on the podcast because we're talking about a series coming up and yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm hoping that he can at least give us six innings tonight because He's going up against a lineup that is very interesting when you're talking about Goldschmidt and Arenado, and then you've got the just, he could be on fire, he could be ice cold Dylan Carlson, and you've got guys like Yadier Molina, who uh, right now just seems to be uh, grabbing the uh, grabbing life by the back of the neck. Um, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to bite. I'm not biting. <laughs> But but yeah no I mean he's he's played really well so far I got I got to give it to him the Yachty's turned back the clock like I, I think you I think you tweeted that uh, a couple of days ago he's he's turning back the clock so it's going to be a pressure pack situation because the Reds cannot come out of this I I really don't want to say that they can't come out of this getting swept because everybody knows that but Lord knows if if they continue this four game losing streak and just keep throwing up L after L and then going to L A with that sort of a record, it's it's going to be really tough. Yeah, I think that, you know, something that Ryland Stiles and I talked about yesterday in a locker room discussion of just like how important it is to build off of these strong Aprils or to scrap the April if it's bad, right? And obviously yeah. April's not over yet so that we, we could, we you know, but, you know, to your point, the, the, the Reds right now need to forget about the series that just yeah. got over, you know, and not to bring up too many bad memories as well, but do you remember the last time Sonny Gray pitched against St. Louis? I think I, I blocked it from my memory. Yeah, <laughs> the sixth <laughs> inning that the Cardinals got. Greg that was wasn't not good. To, no, I remember tweeting about that. Like, I wasn't watching that game for whatever. You think I was announcing a volleyball game, but I remember getting out of that, and I was like, this is a glitch. Like, There's no way the Cardinals scored six runs against Sonny Gray. So it's a weird thing. Anything can happen. But I think you bring up a good point of just like that they have to get on off a good start. And I think that the Cardinals have been in that stretch for probably two or three series in a row now because they, they lost the opening series to Cincinnati. They go out and sweep Miami at Miami. I don't care what to say. Miami is a good team. Yes. I, 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 you know, you as in the general, you, you know, but just like Miami is a good team. So that's, that's a, that's a quality sweep. Right. And they haven't won a series since they lose two out of three at home to Milwaukee, at home to Washington, on the road to Philadelphia and Washington again. So they've been in this, this, this stage of limbo right now where they need a series win like direly. Right. And, 
something's going to give. Like it's a three game series. We're not going to have a tie. So both the Reds and Cardinals right now are coming into this, I think, needing a series win. And one of them is going to get it. And the Cardinals um, think they go off to the New York at some point. I forget what the 17 games is a lot to memorize. But my <laughs> Wi-Fi is, you know, we talked off air. My Wi-Fi is too crappy to try and to do things at once. So but they, they, they have a interesting schedule after that where they play the pirates at one point they play the Rockies at one point at home. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals can do with this first series after a fresh off day, you're going to have your bullpen, maybe a little bit rested. Like I mentioned, Kim still needs to go deep, but the pitching is going to be what saves St. Louis right now. They navigated a weird season last year with the COVID delay that everybody dealt with. Plus the COVID delay the Cardinals dealt with, with the extremely deep pitching staff that they had last year. And I would argue it's still deep this year. You're going to see a Johan Oviedo start at some point during these next 17 days, um, and he's going to be a spot starter for, for St. Louis, guy that pitched a little bit last year. So I'm really looking to see how the, the starting pitching can carry the Cardinals right now because the offense is going to be a crapshoot. We don't know what that's going to be. It's going to be future famine. But the starting pitching can really set the tone, and they've had three really good starts coming into this series. So can they build off of that? Without a doubt. And, and that's – So that's tonight's game. Let's let's look at Saturday and Sunday. I want to break down both started because Sunday obviously is going to be uh, well. Okay, every time I say a pitching matchup is going to be a heavyweight pitching matchup, something happens and it just goes the opposite. So I don't want to say that. I didn't say that. I said it not to say it. So doesn't count. Asterisks. Asterisks. Yeah, asterisks. <laughs> yes, exactly. So let's look at Saturday because we've got Wiley Miley on the mound going up against John Gant. And other than his profile picture where he looks hairy, I don't know anything about John Gant. <laughs> well, let me fill you in. John Gant is good at baseball. That was like this weird tweet that like literally went trending on Twitter a couple weeks ago. And honest to God, I don't know why it went trending, but it just did. It, uh, people were just tweeting, John Gant is good at baseball. So that, I love that, that, that website. You that's my pop that. culture reference for the day. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. But anyways, so he's, he's a guy that, that he started off in the Atlanta organization. And he pitched a little bit as a start in 2018 and bullpen guy last year and the year before. And he's a guy that, that has he has a Vulcan changeup. He grips it like, you oh, know, nice. like, like Spock. He's got massive hands. He literally puts a baseball in between those two fingers. It's, nice. it's bizarre. The ring finger and middle finger. Um, so when he's on, he's on. Right. But at the same time, he hasn't really shown anything to be more than a number five pitcher. So he went five innings the other day against Washington, gave up one run. And that's a huge win for me. You know, I'm not expecting John Gant to go out and dazzle like Jack Flaherty would, right? So he's a guy that, that can mix in a curveball. He's got a, he's got a really live fastball, to be honest with you. And that's why I think he's more effective in the bullpen because his changeup and his fastball are plus pitches, whereas his other ones are kind of eh, which is what makes him more of a five. So I would rather see him in the bullpen. But he's a starter. Go for it. Whatever. He, he's had and results so far, so there's been no reason to take him out of the rotation. It's just a matter of what type of, movement is going to get on his secondary and third treachery pitches rather than his, his primary pitches as a fastball changeup. And that can make a difference in a, in a guy like John Gant start. I would look for him to really work in those breaking balls, especially against like Suarez. Suarez has been struggling quite a bit against uh, breaking pitches. It, it seems like, and I know he hit a home run uh, yesterday, which was nice to see because dude has just been struggling mightily, but he is striking out at a enormous percentage it's it's kind of concerning to see and part of that is it seems like every time he is swinging he's expecting a fastball so I'm looking I'll be interested to see how he gets that curveball going against I think Suarez will be a good measuring stick to see how his tertiary pitches are looking on on Saturday and I'm really impressed that I just pronounced that word right um (laughs) Wade Miley is is um 
intriguing to me because I'm expecting him over the course of this season to pitch to his career numbers. 4.5 ERA is where I have his baseline. So far, he's pitching way better than that. So that probably means he's due for a bad start. And I'm I'm a little bit, I'm kind of ducking. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not coming at Bush on Saturday because I think that if the Reds are going to be successful in this series, it's got to be day one and day two because I don't know what they're going to be able to do against Mr. Flaherty on Sunday. But with Wade Miley, it, it, he has been pitching phenomenal. His strikeout rate is much higher than I thought it would be, which probably means that, again, regression is due. So... When is that going to come and how is that going to bite the Reds in the butt? And will the lineup be able to kind of make up for that start on that day is going to be interesting because they've had a lot of really good games here lately, but they're coming up against pitchers that you expect them to have those games against. What happens when they go up against the good guys and what happens when they go up against a Gantt with a live fastball because the guys that they just got done playing against the Diamondbacks are really more crafty right-handers who locate and don't try to overpower you. So I'll be interested to see how they deal with Gantt on Saturday. Now, Sunday, I'm going to start with this one because Luis Castillo needs this game. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like because he has had a lot of problems getting his fastball going. Recently, we all know he can pitch his change. He can throw that change up and it is going to be phenomenal. It's one of the best in the league. What does he do outside of that? Because he hasn't located his sinking fastball at all. And that is kind of his yin to the yang of the changeup. So he's got to get that going. It's been crushed when it's in the zone and it's not been in the zone very much. And there's been a lot of cases where and it's been Tucker Barnhart that's caught him that Tucker Barnhart will set up in a position and he will have to jump to to catch where the pitch actually goes to. So I, I'm looking for him to really settle down with the command on Sunday. Um, if he can limit the walks and the hard hit contact, the results are going to be a little bit less important to me because I just need to see him have the command that he had last season because he is um, his numbers right now are just concerning. He normally strikes batters out at a rate of almost 30%. He's at 17% right now. That's a big dip for a guy that relies on those strikeouts. And if you're not striking out people, he's given up a lot of hard contact this year. That's why, I mean, you go back to the game in San Francisco where the Reds scored four runs in the top of the fourth, or top of the fourth, top of the first, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, you just gave Luis Castillo a four-run lead. I'm feeling really good about this game. And then and then in the bottom of the first, they tie it and brand new ball game. And it was so frustrating because they did it the exact same way the Reds did. So I, I, I'm looking for command and for him to at least look like he is keeping the Cardinals hitters off balance because in his last start, Nobody was off balance. The, the the Diamondbacks were completely confident in every single pitch that he was throwing, and I really worry about what that's going to look like with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado at the plate. Yeah, I think one thing that like what makes a changeup so deadly is a good fastball, or at least a good primary, you know, sinker, cutter, whatever it might be. Like as good as your changeup is, if you just keep throwing it, throwing it, throwing it at the professional level, it's going to get hit. Right, you need something to change off of it. Right, and you know. It sounds obvious being a dead horse, but to your point that that's why it makes fastball so important. Yeah. I think for, for Flaherty, he's pretty much the same way. And he's got the two pitches that everybody knows about. He's got a fastball and he's got a wicked slider. 
right? And for him, he's trying to mix in a couple of change-ups. It's not anywhere close to Luis Castillo's. But for Flaherty, we've seen the dominance, not only in latter half 2019, we've seen it in spot starts outside of that stretch, right? Because that stretch was ungodly. He's probably never going to touch that stretch again for that long, right? And he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to pitch to a sub two ERA to be effective at this yeah. level, right? Um, or sub one. It was 0.91. But um, he still needs to be better than what he has been since that's this point, right? And he's had two or three quality starts in a row. I'm not a fan of the, 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 the stat quality start because a quality start could mean you have an ERA of four and a half. And to right. me, an ERA of four and a half is not quality. So when I say quality start, I don't mean the stat. One of them has been, but that's beside the point, right? So for him, he's, he's built off momentum. The first start at Cincinnati, even for Castillo, I'm calling that a wash for both of them just because yeah. of the weather was cold. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. Everybody's got to pitch in, but that was a brutal environment to pitch in, right? So, but even since then, he had an okay start against Miami, really good start against Washington the other day. He's been getting better and better with each and every start. He looks more like his old self. When Flaherty's right, he's throwing his fastball inside to righties because when that, he's not afraid to get in there. And not only that, He's locating it, right? Because if you miss inside a righty a little bit over the plate, Suarez is going to hit that thing 425 feet, right? So when, when Flaherty is at his best, he's able to dot the fastball in the inside corner and then throw a slider down and away, right? That, Same thing with lefties. Dot the fastball in and then throw a back foot slider. So that, 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 that's when he's right. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something that's going to throw Suarez off. And, and I look for Castellanos as well. We I tried to bait you a little bit earlier with the Yadier Molina thing. <laughs> hadn't touched on that just yet but he is going to be interesting because he does tend to uh dive out for those sliders and I think Jack Flaherty knows that so he's going to see a heavy diet of sliders on Sunday and really um it's going to be interesting to see because the guys who have replaced which has mostly been Kyle Farmer to this point but with Moose out of the lineup and he's going to be out of the lineup till at least Tuesday who is going to step up outside of Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos? It's been a little bit of Joey Votto, but Joey Votto's kind of cooled off the last couple of games. And Suarez really need him to get going. I mean, he's he cannot hit below 200 and the Reds be effective. That just it, it can't happen. So he has got to get right. And how is he going to do it against the guy like... Gant, who's going to be able to throw him off balance with a fastball and if he can get his curveball going. And then you get on to Sunday where Suarez's biggest weakness is a slider, a good slider. So I I really wonder. That might – I don't want to predict a golden sombrero a day, but I just don't want him to have a golden sombrero on Sunday because that's not that's not going to be so good. So I um, I think you and I have sounded – you more so than I have, have sounded really smart talking about our teams. So let's um, <laughs> let's look at what do we think is going to happen this series. Uh, let's go with wins and losses. How many fights? And okay, I'm just kidding. Wins and losses first. All right, we'll, we'll say fights for another day. Um, <laughs> I think that the Cardinals win the latter two. I think okay. that the Cardinals lose tonight. Cardinals Twitter loses its freaking mind, and they want to fire Schilt, and they do all these things, and then they win Saturday Sunday. I love Cardinals. I love the Cardinal fan base as a special fan base, but they want they they want Mike Schultz head right now. That they really do. And I understand it to a to a point and not to get too far off topic, but the lineup construction has been a question mark for full Schultz right now. Batting Carpenter so high up in the lineup isn't a question mark. And yes, Carpenter is statistically speaking the unluckiest person in baseball. And that's not a, that's not an exaggeration. He is. Right. Um, but at the same time, results matter more than more than possible stats, right? So, anyways. 
I think that the Cardinals lose tonight. I think that they come back. I think Gant is able to keep them off balance, and I'm not betting against Flaherty at home. I, you know, I, I've learned to not bet against Wainwright at all. I, I lose that bet sometimes, but Wainwright proved me wrong nine times out of ten. I never bet against Flaherty at home. I think Flaherty gets the job done on Sunday. So, but I think that the Cardinals go two and one, winning the last two. I, I, I want to be a homer and disagree with you, but I think I kind of, I think I kind of agree with you. I, I think that they've got a nice shot tonight. I, I definitely worry about Sunday. I give Flaherty the advantage there. Saturday's the wild card. Uh, what, what is going to happen between Miley and Gant? And then how long? does Miley last Miley has pitched pretty deep into his last couple of starts so I wonder what they're going to get out of him the the interesting thing will be does TJ Antone pitch tonight do they have to use him on Sonny Gray's start because if they don't they can piggyback him with Wade Miley and that is a beautiful just duality of pitching you've got the Wiley left-hander followed by a fireballing with a nice slider right-hander that they can really throw guys off balance with. So I'll be interested to see if Anton pitches tonight. I think if he does, the Reds lose on Saturday. I think if they don't, they might win, but I still think that they're going to go one and two on this series because I feel like while it's not crossroads time and it's not like do or die desperation time, we're kind of getting to the point where four losses in a row and eight out of 11 are starting to feel heavy on this team that knows that they have to perform because the front office isn't bringing any help The the ownership said before this season, and this was a literal quote and I hated this quote and I, I will never back this sort of thing, but ownership said finances are a train wreck right now for the Reds. They're telling us that they're not going to do anything. So what, what the team is on the field right now and they I hope they don't start pressing but they have got a tough six game road trip going to St. Louis and then following it with LA and where's their focus at right now I I think I kind of agree with you I I expect them to go one and two I really hope that they don't though yeah I think that you know I feel like you can always trick yourself into thinking oh yeah my team will go one and two or two and one rather when you have a team like the Reds and Cardinals that right now on April 23rd we really don't know a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? No. Um, and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up, but just a quick note. I really, I want to say this to you in person. I know we, we Twitter DM'd about it, but I was not a fan of how MOB handled the Castellano situation. I tweeted this out. Cardinal fans might hate me for this. There is no reason Yadier Molina was not also kicked out of that game in, in the moment. But I, I, we talked about this as well. Like It was handled on the field. Right. So even if you are only going to kick out Cristianos because he was the, the instigator of MLB is mine, and that's that's a different point, right? Like that, that's fine. I get behind that logic. I can see why people would think that, right? But then to suspend him after the two people that were in it the most of Yadi and Castellanos talking about it on field, sure, a little a little heated, but talking about it, not throwing punches. There to me, there's no reason for that suspension. And I I was really shocked. I was extremely shocked yeah. when it was upheld right the other day um so i just want to put that on record i really hope that there's no hits by pitchers that are intentional this weekend and that we can just have a nice fun weekend but that usually doesn't happen with cincinnati <laughs> but i'm still hoping that cooler heads will continue to prevail and we can just watch some fun baseball this weekend gonna wrap up the crossover episode with lucas smith here in just a minute also have another segment that's right you're getting a little bit longer episode today i got 
a interview with Jack Justice from the Locked On Reds Fantasy Baseball League. That's all coming up for you here in just a minute. But before we jump into that, let's jump into a Built Bar. I've been telling you guys about Built Bar for a while now. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Seriously, the best protein bar on the market. You can take that to the bank. And you can try me today at BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code LOCKED15. You'll save 15% off your next order, and you can test out what I'm telling you because Built Bar is amazing. The stats don't lie. It's low in fat, low in carbs, low in sugar, and high in protein. You can check them out today. All the great flavors. They've got coconut brownie chunk back for a limited time. The winner of the Built Madness Bracket and won and beat out even my favorite flavor, Cherry Barcia. You can try those out today. They've got peanut butter flavors. They've got all kind of great fruit flavors. Check them out at BuiltBar.com today and enter the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. That's Built Bar, the amazing, the delicious, the nutritious, best protein bar on the market. BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. I honestly, if I were a betting man and if uh, bet online had some kind of uh, prop for this, I would bet on this happening. I think that Castellanos like first at bat, he might like lean his bat against his knee as he steps into the batter's box and like fist bump Yachty or something. I just don't, I don't going to go well. I don't see him. That's not going to go well. I know. I know. But I I expect Castellanos is going to do something where he's like, look, I'm trying to extend an olive branch here. I, I, or maybe he does nothing at all. I don't know, but I know that he's not going to be the instigator of this because I, I also saw major league baseball, like, it's almost like they tried to do a makeup call to make it seem like they were making the right call with Castellanos where they suspended Adam Eaton from the White Sox in, in that game too. And they used the same reasoning. And it was intriguing to me that Castellanos said in his interview after they upheld the suspension, they asked him, they said, what reasoning did they give you? And he's like, honestly, you know, what, whatever, I'll accept the suspension and stuff like that. He did mention that, in the appeal up being upheld, um, they used like COVID and super spreader and stuff like that, where that was not language that they used in the initial suspension. So it was almost like they were changing their tune because they realized that that tune almost made some sort of sense. I don't know. It was that one. I I get, I get the logic behind that one, but the super spreader stuff, I I get that we're hoping to the tail end of this thing, but as an institution organization, I understand that logic. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand that lot. It's at least, yeah, it's at least an explanation because whereas beforehand they gave no reasonable explanation. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, so hopefully uh, we we come out of this three-game series without dealing with any more suspensions. Hope so. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Oh, man. Well, on top of today's Locked On Reds, Locked On Cardinals crossover, I also wanted to bring in this segment. This is the first of the interviews of our folks in the Locked On Reds Fantasy Baseball League. Talked with Jack Justice from down in Cuero, Texas for today's podcast. You're going to enjoy this. Jack, welcome on to the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Friday. We're going to talk because you and me are currently in a battle in the Locked On Fantasy or Locked on Reds Fantasy Baseball League, and I, I'm trying to get off the schneid. I'm 0-2, and uh, I, I, we're in a tight battle right now. But let's start it off. What what got you being a Reds fan initially? 
Well, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis, and half of the community was Cubs fans and half of the community was Reds fans. And my dad and my uncle were Cubs fans. And so I had to go the other way, of course. <laughs> so I went with the Reds and, and uh, you know, those loyalties that get started when you're a kid stay with you forever. I mean, I, I started liking the Miami Dolphins because Bob Greasy was a quarterback at Purdue. Nice. And now I'm still a Dolphins fan, even though there is zero ties to Indiana anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Plus, being a Dolphins fan in Texas, I'm sure that there's plenty of Cowboys fans that are like, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you were talking about the MLB blackout zone, it's frustrating because I am in the blackout zone for the Rangers and for the Astros. And so... I, you know, I've subscribed and I watch all the Reds games and I get them all no matter where they're playing, unless they're playing in Houston or uh, Texas. But today's free or a couple of days ago, the free game of the day was the Houston game and I'm blacked out. So I can't even watch the free game because I'm in a blackout zone. I tell you what, the blackout, the, the map that they use for blackouts is just so ridiculous. And, uh, I, I wish they would get rid of it, but I mean, they're major league baseball. They, they did a pretty good job of ruining the reds and diamondbacks game last night. So I, or uh, Tuesday night. So I don't expect anything better out of them, I guess. So l let's talk about, so when you're growing up, who was your favorite red and is he still your favorite red? Um, that's a good question. Um, it was Pete Rose. Okay. Um, because of Charlie Hustle and the way he played the game. Right. Um, but because of the career path I've chosen and some of the things that came out in the Dowd report of, that Charlie Hustle was into, he is no longer my favorite red of all time. Um, that goes to Joe Morgan. Nice. So, um, when I was a kid, the Indianapolis Indians was a farm team for the Reds. And the Reds would come once a year. And the first baseball game I ever went to was an exhibition game between the Reds and the Indians. And on the Indians side, uh, Dan Dreesen, Eddie Armbrister, and George Foster were playing. And on nice. the Red side, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, David Concepcion. Um, and so that game, I got to see, you know, all my heroes. And uh, I got an autographed baseball at that game that had Dan Dreesen and Eddie Armbruster and Pete Rose and Joe Morgan. Nice. See, that is that, and that's something that I wish they did more of now. They don't do those outreach games like that anymore. And I think that baseball is missing something by not doing that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it turned me into a Reds fan. And here, gosh, 40 something years later, I live in Texas in the Houston Astros zone and I'm still a Reds fan. They must, it must be kind of funny now that they're not division rivals anymore after being division rivals all those many years. Well, it made it easy to convert. Um, <laughs> I didn't convert until they moved to the American league or I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I didn't add them as, as a team that I follow. So right now I follow the Reds and the Astros. 
So what do you think about where they are right now? I mean, we had, we've had a nice hot start the Reds have to the season and, you know, they're still playing a game that they started on Tuesday night. They're going to finish it eventually here this Wednesday afternoon. But uh, what what are you thinking about where they're at right now? Uh, I'm worried. Um, I I think where they're at right now, a lot of it has to depend on, or a lot of it is due to the fact that they played the Pirates uh, four games and, the Pirates hadn't started to gel yet. The Pirates are much better now than they were when the Reds faced them. So I have my concern. I still see the same things happening that were happening last year. I'm, I'm a numbers guy, a statistics person. Uh, you know, that's what I do for a living. And I just see the, the same stuff happening with the batted balls. I mean, they're doing much better this year, but it's still not – you know, there's there's still a lot of pop fly outs, people that shouldn't be swinging for the fences like Nick Senzel, Jonathan India. They've had a lot of routine pop fly outs in the last three or four games because they're not not leveling their swing. I remember when I was growing up watching the Reds, when you got two strikes on you, you focused on keeping your swing level, trying to get the ball on the ground, trying to to get the ball in play. And now even, even today, the the Reds players, they're two strikes and they're still swinging for the fences. Yep. Yeah. You don't, you don't see the uh, mentality of just trying to poke it somewhere anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the beautiful bunt single by Tucker. <laughs> that was great. He, and I, I noticed, I think it was uh Sunday against Bieber. He tried to do that and he was not able to. And I was glad to see him get it down against Zach Gallon. Hopefully uh, that'll at least put a pause in the Diamondbacks idea of trying to shift on him uh, tonight. Yeah. And I've always wondered why Votto hasn't tried that. Uh, Joey's my favorite current Reds player, favorite player from the last 20 years. As, yeah. as you noticed, I picked him up in the draft on our league and like one of the last two rounds. Yep, And I'm in a couple of other leagues and I was able to get him with my last pick in two other leagues. And I thought, my gosh, how sad is it that, mm-hmm. you know, you're picking him in the 26th round now. And I just wonder why he doesn't try to, to push this, the bunt down the third baseline. They give him so many opportunities to, and then if he does it long enough, then they'll quit shifting on him and then it'll open it up for him. That's one thing too. Like I I've, I've seen some different guys that just will uh, play into the shift. Like I know that Gino, I know that they can't shift to right-handed hitters like they can to left-handed hitters, but at the same token, they load up the left side of the infield on Gino and he just, he can't go the other way like a lefty could because the first baseman's still there, but there still just seems like some sort of way he could get the ball into that massive gap where the second baseman would be, but he's, he's been pushed over second base. Yeah, if, if he would push a bunt like the one Tucker did, yeah, to go between the pitcher and the first baseman, one of them has to field it. And who's then it's a, just a foot race to see who gets to first. It could at least help him. Cause he's certainly been in a heck of a slump here recently. Hopefully he can pick it back up. Well, Jack, I appreciate you have, uh, coming on to the podcast today with me. He is Jack Justice. He's down in Cuero. It's Cuero, right? Cuero, Texas? It's Cuero, Texas. Yep. Cuero, Texas. Reds fan down in Cuero, Texas. Jack, I appreciate you so hey, much, man. 
the remarkable thing about Quero is oh, yeah. that they have a C, you know, for Quero, and it's a green. Uh, it's got the Cincinnati Reds emblem, but it's on green background instead of red. So <laughs> I can wear a Quero hat, and it looks like I'm supporting the local baseball team, and at the same time supporting my Reds. <laughs> Double duty. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I had Jack- to travel all over Texas to find a town that had the green sea. <laughs> and you found one. That's awesome. I've only been to Texas one. I've been to San Antonio, but uh, I, I love that. So got to explore it a little bit more. I hear that Texas is a pretty big state. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> from Galveston, we used to have a house in Galveston. It was closer Galveston is a shorter trip to Chicago than it is to El Paso. Oh, wow. <laughs> that tells you a little bit about the size of Texas. That, that, that's awesome, Jack. Well, sir, I appreciate you. I uh, hope that I win this week, and I hope that we have a lot of fun playing some fantasy well, baseball this year. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very close today, but I think I've got you with my pitching today. Yeah, I, I saw that. I'm like, oh boy, I, I I might need to pick up a couple of people to make up for this this gap here. <laughs> well, good luck to you, but not too much. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this a little bit longer version of the Locked On Reds podcast. It, I know I came out a little bit late with it here on this Friday. Hopefully, it found you right before Friday night's game. But hopefully, you've been listening to it all weekend long. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast. If you don't already follow the podcast, make sure you that you do. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds. But that's going to do it for us here today. You guys have a great weekend. I will talk to all of you on Monday. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.